Welcome to Going Up North. I'm Casey T, and this is episode 15. After a solid morning sit and a quick break for lunch, we're back in the house to test our afternoon luck and keep talking about life, work, and comics, which is where we rejoin our conversation mid-discussion about the competing comic book superhero film universes. Like, if I were to imagine what the cinematic universes would look like as a kid, I would assume that Marvel would get the serious beats and that DC would get the silly, like, fun superhero things. Because, like, the Justice League are, like, like they're ridiculous. They were the original superheroes and like the tights and like the like the flashy mm-hmm. colors. Like you'd think that those story beats would be goofier. And since Marvel had like the like societal reflection ones, like the X Men and like mm. the Fantastic Four and like all these different allegories for oppression without actually talking about the real oppression. So like they so I would I just assume that like though the Marvel Cinematic Universe would be a little bit more serious, but they ended up being the fun ones and like DC went the serious way. I feel like that could work, but like I don't know that they did the greatest job of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't... It's weird to describe, too, because, like, the Zack Snyder films, like, I feel like people give them a lot of flack for, like, making the movies grimdark. And, like, it's true, I don't really like it either, but, like, I've enjoyed his other grimdark... Like, I liked Sucker Punch for some reason. Like, I still enjoy that movie every once in a while. And he's a music video director, so, like, Bombast is his his thing. Mm. And I kind of like the, like... Um, God, what is it? Like, high romantic, like, brooding palettes that he uses, like, for the shots in Superman and stuff. Like, it's very biblical. Okay. Um, and that could be done in a... I just... It, the tone was so strange. I don't know. Like, I didn't buy that about Superman, that he would be, like, a... Like, superheroes are an interesting thing ideologically altogether because they're necessarily like kind of a libertarian fantasy about like vigilante justice and like yeah the individual rising up and like being able to like take on all of these things when like you know when social order and like the law enforcement is incompetent and you have to take it upon yourself to like whatever like it's a very like libertarian fantasy and yet at the same time, it was made as propaganda, like it originated as things to keep soldiers occupied and motivated while they were fighting the world wars. That's why there was so much Nazi punching right. in that era of comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I was never a big fan of Superman in general because he just seemed like... Like, he can do anything, Mm -hmm. and he's, like, the most fucking virtuous man alive. Right, so, like, there's no stakes, and there's no growth. Yeah. He's there, yeah. Like, at one point, does he not fly around the Earth so fast in the opposite direction that he reverses time? (laughs) (laughs) If you can do that... Superman is not really a superhero that has ever really appealed to me, personally, but, like, his interesting... It, like, his history is really interesting, like, as a... Like, he's sort of, like, an immigrant American dream fantasy. Like, he was made by, like, you know, like, Jewish men, and, like, he sort of embodies this very optimistic, like, I want to help everyone sort of attitude. 
And so that optimism was just completely lost. <laughs> it was just like, it was not evident in any of the films. Um, I think making a Superman for the, for the modern era, for contemporary times is so, it's so bizarre because we do have this fascination of like, with like, um, like, uh, it's so disappointing too, because we've gotten to the point in the conversation where people understand like the grayness of morality and it depends on your perspective. But what has ended up happening is that we have decided that goodness as a concept is too complicated and now everything is gray and everything is grim Holy and that's shit. where that comes from. <gasps> Whoa! Such a fucking rush, dude. <laughs> oh. oh man, Jesus, that's quite a mob. Better than sex sometimes. <laughs> it's big. Sorry, friend. You'll provide sustenance for me and my family. Know that and die well. Ugh. <laughs> Makes you feel alive. That was a big one. Yeah. We got two fish. That's great. We'll do one of these. Yeah. <sighs> I'm letting my eyes readjust. I couldn't see your fist for a second. <coughs> yeah, fair enough. <clears throat> Fucking murder shakes. <laughs> it gets real quiet out here. Mm -hmm. Like, I know there's trucks and junk, but like, it just gets super, like. And like, you hear the, like, the hissing of, like, the heat there. Mm -hmm. And then that's it, and it's real creepy. There's not even, like, an echo. Yeah. Seeing them, it's just such a, like, oh my god. And then you win, and then you feel really good. Mm -hmm. It's always strange when you look down there and there's a fish, because you think there should be some sort of sound that mm -hmm. accompanies, you know what I mean? Yeah. But why would there be? It's sort of unsettling almost. Grayness of morality, I think you were. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I had too much more to say about oh, okay. it. Honestly, it's like yeah, yeah. We don't really, we haven't really evolved in the way that we talk about morality and ethics. And now that we're trying to like have a character that embodies all of that, and we're confused about what goodness means, mm. we get a muddy movie. 
Yeah, I don't... Yeah. And then Wonder Woman had the gall to be amazing, so now, like, all of our children are going to dangerously believe that DC films have the potential to be good. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought you were going to go a different direction with that and be like, no, no, all the children are dangerously convinced that women can be powerful. <laughs> I really liked that movie. I did too. It was so well done. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked... It seemed like an unconventional romance. Right? Because it didn't get all like... Mushy fucking... We're meant to be together. I love yeah. you. You know, right? Yeah, no, it was very incidental. It was the thing that happened on her way to do something else. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then there's the, there was no like pining or I don't know like it was just like no we're gonna save the world I need to do this I'll see you later thanks. Mm -hmm. So how does she have some weird thing like Superman where she can't be killed by X Y or Z or she just basically. She can be killed, but if not killed, she's immortal. Yeah, no, she's... Yeah, I think she's just immortal. There's also something to that as well. That I think is the appeal of Batman. Mm -hmm. It's like... He has He's, gadgets and shit, but he yeah. like turned himself... He doesn't possess any inherent, like, I can fly, or I can fucking jump up and down really high, or... Right, yeah, he's just like a DIY superhero, just with lots of resources. Right. Right. Batman, the Pinterest superhero. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> can you imagine? Oh my god. That's a comic you can draw right there. Bad <laughs> Bruce Wayne at a computer in the Batcave. <laughs> Just with a Pinterest board up. <laughs> I like his epic fucking computer. <laughs> Instead of like that dossier of like all the supervillains and everybody's mm -hmm. rogues gallery, it's just like <laughs> all these pins. I noticed that I I think with DC Comics I tended to like the alien princess characters. <laughs> so like Starfire was always one of my favorites and I always really liked Wonder Woman because they all came from somewhere else uh -huh. and like wound up here and like had to learn the language and a lot of people have had like really interesting takes on them over the years. Um, like the whole, like um, Starfire as a character is really interesting to me because she's like this incredibly like, very optimistic and, like, kind of incredibly flirtatious character. But she's also, like, enormous and, like, a powerhouse, and so it's difficult for people to, like, read her as, like, a... as, like, a, a character that that's made to, like, necessarily titillate someone. Like, I'm sure, she, like, she's often drawn that way, but, like, you can't really do that to her in the stories very well, which is so interesting. Hmm. And also her relationship with um, with one of the Robins. I forget which one it was. I think it was Dick. Like, she has a romance with Dick. It's very bizarre because, like, 
he's become Dick Grayson has become something like of a, a sex symbol, like for gay men and for women hmm. within the DC universe. Like it's written canonically that he's like supposed to be like this kind of like a like he's sort of that sexual fantasy, but like a male, which is so un, like unusual for comic books. Right. Hmm. So that adds sort of an interesting part to their relationship as well, where it's very much like she tends to have the most agency in their relationship, and he's kind of the, just like the side piece I can't, <laughs> which I just love. This is sort of a silly aside, but like speaking of like religious satires, have you ever read Lamb by Christopher Moore? No, but I've heard about it. It's so funny. I don't know that, I don't think his other books are quite as funny. Like um, there's one where like, there's practical demon keeping, which is kind of funny, but Lamb is hilarious. It's Lamb, the gospel according to Biff, Christ's childhood pal. That's right. Yeah. I do remember, I mean, I've heard about it, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like you would enjoy it. I'm curious to see what you'd have to say about it. But, yeah. I'm a big fan of religious satire. Mostly because I'm not a big fan of religion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, ooh, this is another one. This is a great story from Concordia, dude. Fuck yeah, toast. Uh, <laughs> so, we're in, we're in Religion 101. Mm-hmm. I'm there in the back of the class as far away from anybody as possible, like three rows of seats behind the closest person, trying to hide from them in my like heathen atheist way. And then um, there's like 27 Lutherans who go to church every Sunday and like sing in the choir. Mm -hmm. And there's like two Catholics. And we're discussing the Eucharist and whether it's the body and. Oh, transubstantiation. Of... Yeah, right, exactly. And so, of course, the Catholics, for some fucking weird reason, think that they're cannibals, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, 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 that's, that's our official stance on it, is mm -hmm. the literal body and blood of Christ. Yep. Oh, yeah, you're Catholic, you're, or you're raised Catholic, so yeah. you totally understand this. Oh, yeah, Fuck no, yeah, no, this I is get great. Transubstantiation is, like, this really crazy thing. Yeah, It so. makes us sound like a blood cult. It's yeah, great. you guys it's are amazing. fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond all the gnarly other shit that you guys got into, don't even get me started on the fuck, don't even get me started on the Borgia Popes. Mm -hmm. No, uh, uh, it's not symbolic. It's actually his blood and body. Like, right. So, um, given that perspective, I'm sure that you've seen Catholics who like don't take it from the, they like, mm -hmm. and the priest is like, yeah, you gotta hand whatever, it, yeah, put it on your tongue. Yep. yep. So, with this in mind, and given the perspective of the Catholics, different than that of the Lutherans and the weird kid in the back of the class, the mm -hmm. professor calls on this nice blonde Catholic girl. And says, well, what do you think about it? You know, let's mm -hmm. start the discussion here. You know, we've we've broken down academically. We've talked about it. And now let's mm -hmm. open discussion. Uh, and this girl says, I fucking shit you not. I swear to, I swear to whatever you want me to. She says, <clears throat> well, I don't feel worthy to touch the Lord's body with my hands. So I always take it in the mouth. <laughs> and... That was my reaction. <laughs> I fucking lost it. 
I was probably stoned, which didn't help. So I do what you just did, and 32 heads went. And just stared at me. And so then I'm like, ooh, I'm doing something wrong. No one else found that funny. And so I'm trying not to laugh. So now I'm not laughing out loud anymore. I'm just like laughing so hard quietly that I'm crying. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, they've turned back to discussion like nothing just happened. I couldn't believe it. Like mm. no one... Look, I know that dick jokes aren't already funny, but that shit was hilarious. Mm -hmm. I couldn't... So you... What do you do? Wait, what do you do? <laughs> Can I just... I need clarification. One more time. What oh, is it you say you do? Oh, I would have died. I could, oh, dude, I was just losing my shit. Oh, man. Know. I always take it in the mouth. And, like, man. Hilarious, as is. Oh, my God. <coughs> oh, man. I couldn't. Oh, I was like. And then, then I walked around on AFA. Like, man. See, that? like I said, there's an example of why I didn't fit in in that place. Or, you know, I mean. You know what's hilarious is that, I forget exactly what, but, like, if you, like, this was, like, hell a long time ago, but, like, like brothers in the same monastery used to essentially be able to get married. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah. You could get married within the priesthood. Like, it, like it's not really a thing. Like, it's not a thing anymore, obviously, but, like, there used to be some kind of tradition where, like, you were essentially just married to another man in the church. God, was that some weird loophole so that you could fuck? Probably. I mean, I would hope so. And they did away with it, and then everybody became repressed and terrible. Yeah, and started doing all kinds of goofy, fucked up shit. Oh my god. I'm pretty sure I still have my pocket catechism somewhere. That's how far in it I was. I. <laughs> you know what, though? So, I, like, okay, so within the, the Catholic Church, there's seven sacraments, right? Mm -hmm. And you go through, like, some of them, and you can't usually get all of them, because, like, some of it is like the, like, so there's the, there's baptism, then uh, there's the Eucharist, like, First Communion, and then there's um, matrimony, um, the laying on of hands, like, if you're sick. Mm. And then there's, God, where are the other ones? I can't remember them. Like, one of them is, like, if you, like, go into the priesthood, and the other one is, like, something else or other. A confirmation was the other one okay, that yeah. I was thinking of. And that's when you, like, affirm your belief that you are, like, now a Catholic. And you kind of go through it while you're in school, right? Mm -hmm. And because I went to Catholic school, I didn't have to take catechism classes outside of, like, like at like at a church or something. Like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, like, I didn't have to do that. That was the loophole. So, um... I wanted to get confirmed at some point. I was like, well, maybe this is fine. And then um, I, you know, that you get like a, a saint name, like a saint's name attached to you. If you're like, you get to pick one, like, you know, you to be like, you're confirmed like as St. Peter or whatever. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. You get like a, like a Catholic, like a saint's name. Hmm. Um, and you choose one, you find one that's special to you and like who you relate to and it's like you become, it becomes kind of like your patron saint or whatever. Okay. Uh, I chose St. Agnes and they wouldn't let me do it because she was a woman and I'm not. Wow. <laughs> so I just decided not to get confirmed. I was like, nah, sorry. Were you like the only kid in your high school that wasn't confirmed? Uh, 
uh, I think there were a bunch of other kids that, I'm sure I wasn't the only one, but like most of the kids were. Right. That's funny. St. Kevin, the patron saint of birds. I think that's a thing. I'm sure we have so many saints. I like have such a hard time explaining to people how we're insistently a monotheistic religion when we also like have like this pantheon of saints. You don't worship them? Like not technically, but you pray to them. Yeah, we do. Okay, so is the idea that <clears throat> saints are more easily accessible to the mortal? And then that the saints have influence with God. Is that why you pray to a saint instead of praying directly to God? Or are you praying for like the thing that they're a patron of? Um, how it was explained to me is that God's busy <laughs> and that, you know, the saints have different responsibilities. That's what it was taught to me as a child. I don't okay. know if that's the official stance on it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, the saints are essentially what like like Buddhists would call them, like they're just essentially Catholic bodhisattvas, like people who like got real close to enlightenment and chose to remain mortal to like help their fellow man. Hmm. Yeah. So they kind of occupy that space. Like that's obviously not what they are because they're you know they're they're dead. Also, Catholic relics are, like, my favorite thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Because, I mean, they're, like, so morbid. It's incredible. Like, there's, like, the, like some saint's preserved hand is just, like, up there on an altar somewhere in some church. Like, they do crazy things like that. That is pretty bizarre. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they'll have, like, a whole corpse, like, just, like, sitting out there. I forget which saint it was, but, like, they had a saint, maybe it was, like, Saint Lucia or something, and they're like, oh, yes, this is her corpse, it hasn't changed since she died in the 14th century or whatever, and there's rumors that, like, they switch out the bodies, oh, like a, and I'm like, oh, God, that's so creepy. <clears throat> that would be fucking real fucked. Mm-hmm. Did your interest in the tarot thing come from that project you worked on years and years and years ago? Where Which you, one? Where you drew, like, the Ten of Cups or whatever? Yeah, yeah, it did come out of that. I did, uh, it was for the Lycra Art Lab, and I drew the Ten of Cups, and I was like, this is amazing, now I want to do the rest of it. And because I'm a huge egghead, I was like, I'm going to do research on all these tarot cards and, like, see where that comes from. And when I was satisfied with what I learned, I was like, I'll draw my own. That's awesome. Yeah. I do read cards, too, for people. Oh, really? Yeah. But I have, like, a sort of... I don't know that it's a different take on it. I don't really commune with a lot of other tarot readers, but, like, I think about it in terms of creating... Like, constructing a narrative. That's how I've built the decks mm. for myself. It's about, like... So I don't know if you know anything about the tarot cards. So you've got essentially five suits. You have the major arcana, which are the 22 cards, like, the... Like, it's the fool's journey. It's this the really huge moments in someone's Get life. Get in the water, trunk. Alright, bud. Oof. Number two. Oh, sweet. 
He's almost off. I don't want to lose him. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. I got a second one. Nice. You're like a fucking trained assassin. Excuse me, bud. <laughs> oh shit, heads up. <coughs> well, that felt good. Man. <coughs> I was so worried that I wasn't going to be ready. <laughs> well, you proved to yourself and the entire world you were ready and you got them good. Yes. Oh, that felt really nice. Like, thank you and excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> and validation. Yes. You didn't get lucky the first time. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, oh, dropping that spear feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> we need to do this every year. I'm into this. This is fun. Absolutely, man. That's what I'm saying. <sighs> what was I saying? Oh, yes. So the, the decks. Um, so the major arcana, the fool's journey. Major parts in someone's life. It's usually about a person or some huge event. And then there are four suits. There's the cups, which are about relationships. There's the coins, which are about your money. And uh, let's see, the swords, which are about your decisions and your intellect. And then the um, wands, which is about your creativity. And so the point of the cards is to like, like figure out how all of these different parts of people's lives relate to each other. So they're not supposed to tell you future. They're supposed to like get you to connect things like, oh, like I have, there's a, here's a, card from the suit of cups and it's next to a card from the suit of coins like how are my like what are the instances in my life where my like personal relationships have affected my finances and so it's like drawing those different parallels it's like it's all just about like mapping things out in your life that you already know and figuring out like how it's affecting all of these different things in your life in a way that's really intentional so it's kind of like a really nice way to like construct a narrative and figure out like how you want to be more intentional with fixing things in your life or like where are your problems at and how is it affecting all these other things and because there's 78 cards there are a billion combinations that can, you can come up with right hmm yeah I like it. I like that idea or, uh, as a narrative. Yeah. So Stephen caught no fish. <laughs> I don't want to lord it over him. <clears throat> we saw like a little perch and uh, a real nice walleye one morning. Mm -hmm. Um, but I threw down this jig and it swam away, mm. and then we saw nothing. And told all its friends. So, you're, you're up on him by two, and you've only been here for a day. <laughs> <sighs> Jinx. <laughs> I don't believe in that shit. <laughs>
<laughs> it just means you're gonna buy me a soda. Oh, okay. I thought I couldn't talk until I bought you a soda. <laughs> no. Oh. What? I thought that was the rules. I don't know what the rules are. They're like different. It's a kid's game. It's different for everybody. Mm. What a weird game. What a weird thing. Yeah. The light is changing. It is getting darker. Mm. And it's strange. It's like, it's... Is that where the ice is looking more opalescent, or is it melting? Um, the edge part is mm -hmm. a little bit clearer because it's been worn away mm -hmm. from the heat up here and stuff. Mm -hmm. But also probably the darkness is starting to work its magic. Yeah. And it'll go from this, where you can see pretty good, to like, holy fuck, I can't see anything. In like, I don't know you guys, probably like an hour. It'll be like, oh fuck, it goes quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but in like half an hour, it'll be pretty dark down there. Are you trying to get on the road? Mm, what time is it? Uh, quarter to four. Quarter to four. Um, well, I mean, if I get on the road uh, around 4.30, I can make it home by like 8.30. And that's pretty good timing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Awesome. I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted a little bit of more input or an idea of what we're shooting for yeah yeah no yeah. i wanted a full day of sitting here watching for fish and skewering them i would call it a success we had a good day i think yeah three fish solid lunch mm -hmm. lots of time in the house i threw half an avocado down there can you see it what where you have to lean way over here. It's way under the side of the ice, way off on this side. Oh. Right in the middle, but way over there. Off to the your left. It's not actually half an avocado. It's just been there the whole fucking time I've been here. And it's like a shell with like dirt in the middle. Oh, okay. And it just looks like an avocado with the pit still in it. Yeah, well there's like one lake weed like right there. Mm-hmm. One lonely little thing. attached to this patch of lake. <laughs> it's been good so far. Yeah. There's another one over there, like the avocado clamshell thing. Oh, okay. About, yeah. But I'm very excited about Incredibles 2. Oh, yeah. Because that'll be coming out soon. Interesting. Is it supposed to be dope? I haven't really seen or heard anything. I don't know. I don't know anything about it except okay. that, like, there have been, like, there's been, like, one teaser clip. Okay. Um, with Jack-Jack. Mmm. Okay. I only saw the movie once. It was good though. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I owned it as a kid, so I was like, mm. I would watch it all the time. Right on. Plus, I really like that like retro, like 
hyper-future 1950s and 60s aesthetic that it had going on. Like, it had, like, a like a Cold War, like, alt-universe aesthetic that I really liked. That is cool. I grew up on fucking Robin Hood and the Aristocats and the Rescuers Down Under. Those are good. Yeah, fuck, I loved them. 101 Dalmatians? Uh, I loved the Aristocats as a kid, and then I watched it when I was Holy adult, and I was like, Holy fucking racist, I know, dude. I was like, oh, yeah, wow. The Siamese cats, the Siamese cat plays chopsticks with chopsticks on the piano, mm -hmm. and the lyrics to the song that he sings are, Hong Kong, Bing Bong, Egg Foo Young, mm -hmm. Fortune Cookie, Always, always Wrong. wrong. Yep. Then he chuckles and goes, ha ha, that's a hot one. It's like, yep. oh my fuck, dude. And he's even got, like, one of the symbols on his head that yeah. looks kind of like a conical hat. And I'm like, oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> yup. Oh, and the whole Everybody Wants to Be a Cat musical sequence, like, all the musician performer cats are supposed to be coded as, like, black jazz musicians. Yeah. Which is that. And, like, they were portrayed a little bit more respectfully than the Chinese one, which was, like, w interesting. Well, and then, like... There's, like, the Italian cat that's wearing, like, a handkerchief and, like, the weird, like, hat. Yeah. That he looks like fucking Chico Marx or something. And then there's, yeah, there's, like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was very charming, though. Any, like, any animated film with, like, pretty much the whole cast of Green Acres <laughs> was my jam. <laughs> And the whole, like, that, I don't know, that movie was very charming. That whole era probably, like, just generated a whole generation of furries. <laughs> it's true! <laughs> oh, man. The little mouse? He's cute as fuck. Yeah. It's a stupid name. Can't remember. Was it Jacques? No. I can't remember the mouse's name. Cause it, it, I remember the tab, like the the orange cat's name. Yeah, Thomas O'Malley. Thomas O'Malley. And it's they Duchess. They call me Abraham DeLacy. Yep. <laughs> Casey. Thomas O'Malley. O'Malley the alley cats. And it's Toulouse and Marie. Toulouse and Marie and the other one I can't remember. Berlioz. God, do you remember the do you remember the British geese? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Those are my favorites. They're like, he's drowning in the river, and they're giving him swimming advice. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, oh. And they're like, really drunk uncle? Yes. Oh, my God. I forgot about the drunk uncle. <coughs> <coughs> I also did like how in, at the end of that movie, and at the end of Hundred Wild Nomations, there's like this army of animals that takes on human beings, and mm -hmm. it's fucking amazing. Yeah, it's always fun. Did you know that 101 Dalmatians is technically science fiction? It's based off of a book. That book has a sequel. The sequel is straight up science fiction. Really? Yeah, because, okay, so like they got their... Oh my god, let me... I have to look this up because I want to... I want you to remember who wrote... Who wrote 101 Dalmatians? Not a clue. 101 Dalmatians. It was... written by... Dodie Smith. Okay. Mm -hmm. Dodie Smith. 
the, the 101 Dalmatians is what it's called. And it was followed in 1967. Um, so uh, 1956 was when the 101 Dalmatians was written. The Starlight Barking is the sequel to the 101 Dalmatians. And the plot is that uh, uh, so um, so dogs start to disappear and it turns out that they have to like meet up with a bunch of other dogs in Trafalgar Square in London and on top of Nelson's column a dog named Sirius, the Lord of the Dog Star, invites all of the dogs to his home to evade nuclear war on Earth. That is straight up science fiction. Yeah. So there's a dog planet, and they're trying to rescue all the dogs from imminent destruction of Earth by taking them away from the humans who will blow up the planet. Wow. Like that is the premise of it. Yeah, so 101 Dalmatians is, is science fiction. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to tell Erica that. That's going to blow her mind. That's like her, one of her favorite Disney movies. Oh, man. That's just straight up sci-fi. <laughs> There's alien dogs. It's canon. It's canon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I really like that whole era of animation, that like kind of like rough pencil look. Yes. It's really nice. I really like it. Mm -hmm. I'm sad that they don't do that sort of stuff anymore, but I guess they didn't do well enough in the box offices. Mm. Disney has a history of like um, doing something established and then like moving away from it for a little while, and then when they start to flounder, they produce a, a princess film that inevitably saves them. And this happens literally every time. Like their first feature film was Snow White, mm -hmm. and then they like kind of floundered around for a while. Like they were like competing with um, Flesher Studios, Max Flesher. Um, mm. Snow White actually debuted at the same time as Gulliver's Travels, which is also like a very good movie. Um, so, you know, like Cinderella saved the studio, mm. Sleeping Beauty saved the studio. Right after like the kind of awkward phase where it was like the seventies, like the like One Hundred and One Dalmatians, like the Aristocats, like that era of animation that was so good, like Robin Hood, mm -hmm. and then moving into the 80s where there wasn't a whole lot going on. There was The Rescuers, yep. and it didn't do as well as they were hoping, and and then they did Oliver and Company, and then they were like, okay, so talking animals won't carry a film anymore, and then they made The Little Mermaid, and boom, it was like this incredible merchandising thing, and they made all kinds of money, Yeah, and from there they like became a little bit more intentional about the production of their films, and so... And then it was almost like sense. unstoppable, right? Because then it was like Aladdin, the Lion King, and mm -hmm. yep, the like childhood, like the big ones when we were kids. Yeah, and then that was the Disney Renaissance. And I used to dislike both of those movies a lot. Which ones? Lion King and Aladdin. Mm. And now I'm like a big fans of those movies. Yes, they're both real good. <laughs> Absolutely. They're I don't true. know why I didn't like them when I was a kid. I hated them. Same with Finding Nemo. When that movie came out, I hated that movie, and every fucking person who thought that they thought it was, oh, fuck you, that movie sucks. Mm -hmm. And like, ten years went by, and I watched it again, and I was like, you know what? I like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm stubborn as fuck, things. so it's hard to, it's hard to yeah. admit that. But I didn't like Lilo and Stitch when I watched it when I was a kid. No, I didn't either. Yeah, and then I watched it as a grown-up, and I had all kinds of feelings. We just watched it a couple of years ago because it was on Netflix, mm -hmm. and I was like, I don't even remember that movie. And Eric was like, that movie's amazing. It was good. Yeah. That little fucking monster's pretty cute. Yeah. 
Adorable. He was voiced by the uh, by the the artist who drew him, Chris Sanders. Really? Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen often, right? It happens more than you'd think. Hmm. Like uh, Ratatouille, the voice of the uh, that chef. He is a um, like he's one of the conceptual artists hmm. for Pixar. Interesting. Yeah. So they do some in-house like stuff like that. That's cool. But you know, sometimes they hire Alan Tudyk to play chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he certainly knows the chicken. Mm-hmm. I really can see it happening. The ice is getting bluer. Hmm. Indeed. Well, should we get moving? Yeah, let's call it. Okay, cool. I would sit here until it was pitch fucking black if we hadn't already speared a couple of... You know what I mean? Then it's like, I'm going to fucking wait until I can't fucking see. Also, it's crazy how when you're looking down the hole in here and you're like, man, it is getting dark, and you open the door and it's still bright as fuck outside. It's kind of strange. It's doing this fun thing where uh, you can't make out the horizon from the lake. I need to take a picture of this. Yeah. Like, like, oh yeah, where does it end? Another day gone, another guest successful. Awesome end to my birthday weekend. I got to sit with a good friend, an intelligent and funny dude who schooled me with some exceptional and needed knowledge and perspective. Glad that I got to facilitate his introduction into the weird world of spearing and that connection to his history. Make sure to cruise on over to trungles.com, that's T-R-U-N-G-L-E-S.com, and check out all things Trung. Next week, we'll feature a very special guest in the first part of the season finale. You don't want to miss this one. As always, check out the Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, KCT at Going Up North One, the numeral one, and listen, subscribe, and star on Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts at your convenience. Thanks for listening. I'm KCT, and this is Going Up North.